This episode was recorded in December of 2019. Since then, Lightspeed launched a $398 million US dollar IPO in New York and Toronto, made multiple acquisitions, and is being called the next Shopify. This is the story of how it got to where it is today. Today on the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast, Lightspeed is about more than point-of-sale systems. The Montreal-based startup is also about point-of-soul systems. The value of creating seats at the table for different perspectives is that everybody has their, their own particular viewpoint, their own particular background, and we all have a different lens upon which we will see a particular challenge or circumstance. When you make sure that there is diversity amongst all of the stakeholders at a, at a table and you make sure that inclusion is a part of your ethos, you're going to have an issue challenged by multiple dimensions and I think you're gonna come up with much richer solutions. On this episode of the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast, CEO Dax Da Silva discusses the importance of diversity and coming together for a good greater than ourselves in creating corporate success. Here is Michael Hainsworth. Dexter Silva is an innovation economy entrepreneur, gallery owner, and author who credits his success to a diversity of voices and a spiritual connection to the planet. At 17, three years after coming out, he found himself protesting logging in British Columbia. Years later, he landed in Montreal, bootstrapping a startup software company. We met at Never Apart, a gallery and event space designed to bring people together to discuss how to build leaders that inspire, how nature plays a role, and his book, Age of Union, Igniting the Changemaker. We began by talking about what he calls the four pillars of unseparation. The idea behind that is, you know, how do you make change in the world? What are the things that you have to think about together holistically uh, in order for us to make impact? And I think those things are leadership, culture, uh, spirituality, and, and nature. And leveraging all the diversity in each one of those four pillars uh, is sort of a recipe for change making. You never saw yourself as having a type A personality? That seems to be most common in leaders. Yeah, having a type A personality is not necessarily the, the only type of leader that, uh, uh, that exists. Uh, you know, there are, there are diverse kinds of leadership. Uh, here at Lightspeed, we see, we see you know, all kinds of voices, all kinds of perspectives. You know, we really, really believe that having many kinds of, many kinds of different kinds of people around the table and different kinds of leaders adds a richness and a, a wisdom and knowledge to, uh, to the solutions that we, that we come up with. So what kind of type are you? Hmm. The type of leader that I am is the kind that gives ownership to other people, supports people if they fail, but celebrates people when they when they're able to uh, you know make an impact. I think that in order to scale any kind of project, you need to, to be able to build that team uh, and distribute ownership. As a leader, you need to be able to, to, to bring people together and, and, and be the glue that brings everybody onto one vision. You write about leadership diversity. What does that mean to you? Leadership diversity is all about making sure that you, that you have place at the table for a lot of different kind of viewpoints. That's really key in, in having the rich solutions that you need to, to solve today's and the company's you know, complex uh, challenges. 
So as far as leadership diversity is concerned, um, I see that we've got one, two, three, four, five uh, types of leaders. What is a visionary leader? A visionary leader is the kind of leader that uh, that basically lays out sort of the grand plan for for how uh, an organization or project is is going to move forward, uh, and basically brings everybody into uh, into believing that they have a part to play in in making that vision a reality. What's a coaching leader? A coaching leader is the kind of person that. Uh, uh, you know, uses techniques of mentoring and uh, and invests in people so that they can really elevate that person, really build up that person. And, and a true leader really creates leaders. That's that's one of the things I, I truly believe. What's an affiliative leader? Affiliative leader is the kind of leader that, that's good at building relationships and harmonizing relationships, has great EQ uh, and understands what it takes to, uh, to to create a functioning organization. A democratic leader? Democratic leader is a leader that uh, is able to build consensus uh, and be able to, you know, move the move the organization in a particular direction by getting everybody's buy-in. Pace-setting leader. So a pace-setting leader is the kind of leader that uh, that's the drumbeat of an organization that uh, that that continues to push. So whereas some of the other leaders are about about you know bringing people together and and about uh, setting a vision, there's others that. Uh, uh, that are pace setting that, that make sure that an organization is able to move and produce results. And so then of all of these leaders, which one is you? I, I think I'm a combination of, of some of these types. I would say that aff- affiliative leader um, is, is, is one that uh, uh, I relate to. I think uh, somebody that, that looks for consensus and, uh, and one, that's one that, uh, that, that is able to, to coach and bring, up, bring out the best in people, uplift and elevate. True leaders create leaders. How so? So I think in this age of, uh, of, of Instagram, you have everybody that wants followers. What I think a, a true leader wants in any organization is a true leader wants to create leadership in others. You are not looking for an, organiz- an organization that will blindly follow you. You're looking, at pe- looking for people that can take on ownership and would, would do um, what you would do uh, in, in their position. And so you're able to, to scale and you're able to build uh, because you've created leadership at every level of your project. You write that it begins with listening. Listening is interesting because I believe that a lot of people think that the more you say, uh, the louder your voice, the more people will, f- will will feel that you're a leader or believe that you're you're a leader that's uh, that's inspiring people. And I think that when you see leaders that really, really listen and be, are able to synthesize the opinions of others, are able to take in all of the information and speak less. These are the most effective leaders. And I think that people respect and look up to leaders that are willing and take the time to listen uh, and understand the challenges of an organization or understand customers, understand employees, understand stakeholders before making decisions and before making choices. Something I learned a long time ago uh, is that sometimes the dumbest question creates the smartest answer. So let me ask you a dumb question. Explain the value in creating seats at the table for different perspectives. The value of creating seats at the table for different perspectives is that everybody has their their own particular viewpoint, their own particular background, and we all have a different lens upon which we will see a particular challenge or circumstance. When you make sure that there is diversity amongst all of the stakeholders at a, at a table and you make sure that inclusion is a part of your ethos, 
you're going to have an issue challenged by multiple dimensions, and I think you're going to come up with much richer solutions. Sharing ownership is described as a means of creating results-oriented outcomes. Sharing ownership is really necessary for, for an effective leader because you can't do it all on your own. You're going to have to, as you scale your, your company or your project, you're going to have to give up things, even things that you love, uh, in order to be able to, to move to the next level. You know, you may have to specialize. You might, you may have to to find the the, the thing that's that the company most needs from you, uh, and so that may mean giving ownership to to, to other people, trusting other people uh, in your organization, so that uh, so that they can thrive, uh, and that you can take on things that are that are necessary for for your own personal reinvention. And so as part of that, it's important to develop a community of allies. You have to develop a, a community of allies. You have to be a source of energy for all of the people in your organization. You need to get buy-in from, from everybody that, uh, uh, that you're, you've brought into the project uh, on, on every new sort of direction that, uh, that you're, embar- you're embarking on. So how do leaders communicate and build energy around their vision? Leaders can communicate and build energy around their vision by you know, being the the model for everybody that's involved. You know, when, when you as a leader believe in something and you show passion for something, that's contagious. People often look to you for how to behave. You know, if you, if you walk around and you're, you look pensive, you look uh, worried, everybody's going to model that. But when you bring passion, when you bring a lot of energy, when you bring a lot of drive, when you bring belief uh, in the face of maybe a, a large challenge or a large project within your company, uh, that can be really uh, positively contagious. How did you learn that lesson? So I, I, I learned the lesson of, of being the source of energy or, or modeling the energy you want to create in or, in or, an organization by, by looking at great leaders you know, and, and seeing how they behave uh, and starting to understand that you know, whether you're in a crisis or when you're, whether you're in, in good times, people look to you and you take their cues uh, from how you behave it becomes intuitive that uh, that the way you act has an impact on your organization, has an impact on the way that people behave and how they treat one another, and uh, and that and that you can have a real positive impact uh, if you model the right behavior and if you show if you show passion for what you're doing. You've written about the coming out stage of your life. Mm-hmm. Help me understand how that experience has informed everything else you've done since. So I came out early at, at the age of 14 and and I think it has had a really, I think it's had a good influence on uh, understanding all of the different places that people can come from. You know, I think it's, you know, as a, as, as, as a person from the community, from the LGBTQ community, you kind of see the world uh, as an outsider. You know, and I think it helps you empathize with with others uh, and and from where they come from, other from other perspectives, and then finding value in other people's contributions. Understanding that we're not all the same. Understanding that uh, the difference can be a teacher. I think these are all these are all important lessons. I do think that every leader has brings their own journey into into how the, how they form projects and how and the imprint that they put onto projects and i i do think that you know company culture does come from the top the culture of never apart comes from from a lot from my experiences and from the experiences of people that that uh, have become leaders within these projects so things that uh, that i've that i've experienced in the way that i express them um does have um 
does have its fingerprints on how how things evolved in these projects. And the greatest benefit I think that it's probably brought is making sure that everybody gets a fair shot. I'd like to describe you as a philosopher CEO. What do you think of that? The book that, that, I, that I just put out, Age of Union, has got a lot of personal philosophy. Um, a lot of that came from uh, this space, Never Apart, and the manifesto I kind of wrote for that, the intention going into that uh, project, this project. Uh, but also like, you know, 14 years of, of kind of hyper growth at Lightspeed, uh, you kind of end up being having to be a philosopher in order to, to go through all the ups and downs, all the, all, all the different parts of the journey. The book is 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 really a manifesto, isn't it? Yeah, I think that the part, you know a big big reason for the book is you know there's lots of you know young people that want to start a nonprofit or a tech company, and uh, you know you can give them business tips and and uh, how to be successful, how to get your first investment. But what about the other parts of the journey? And that's what uh, the book tries to fill in. Uh, you know, what about the cultural aspect uh, of 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 the change you want to bring into the world, or what about the spiritual aspect, which we don't really have modern ways to talk about, and ultimately, how does it all tie into nature, and, and what kind of leader do you want to be to, to, to lead the kinds of things that need to happen in the world? There seems to be a distinct lack of spirituality in our day-to-day -day lives. How did you feel about incorporating that into your work life? Spirituality, I, f I feel, is a foundation that you need to be able to, to take on something that's really, really big, uh, and when you when you're working on a project that has, you know, a higher purpose, uh, it's great for you to invest in yourself to be that instrument uh, that can help you through all the, the different seasons of that. You know, and, I, and so I think that spirituality is as simple as knowing uh, about the greater unity of everything and also, you know, the greater purpose of everything. You describe an age of union as one that would be a celebration of creation. Yeah, I think an age, an age of union for me means... Uh, that we actually celebrate all of the things that we have on this planet and make sure that the things that we do are more thoughtful of everything that exists here. I think that very often we are, uh, we care about our, our you know, our, our smaller circle and the, the wider you can cast your empathy or your compassion, the more you care about other species, other ecosystems, ultimately, you know, um, people far away from you, you know, in, in other countries. I think these, these are all, all, um, elements of us becoming, you know, more conscious, you know, as a, as a society. You write that we hunger for a sense of spirituality. Yeah, I think in, the, in this day and age, people don't know how to access spirituality. I think we're in the, we are in the age of the selfie where, where, um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, the, this moment of individualism because people are more empowered individually to, to do that much more. You know, you can, you can reach a huge audience on social media. You can do all of these things to invest in yourself. Um, but uh, there's this other element, which is, uh, which is your spiritual element, um, that I think we, we want to tap into because I think that's, the, that's, like the, that's an inner strength that, uh, that, that actually helps you do things that are for the greater good, you know, for, for, for a greater purpose. And um, just doing things for yourself is, at the end of the day, becomes more empty. Uh, I think doing, doing something that, uh, that contributes something is uh, something that we all want to do. You say as well that you know, when you built Lightspeed, you wanted it to be as much about culture as code. Mm -hmm. at, at Lightspeed, we like to say that, uh, that the company is, is built around culture just as much as, as it is around code. Uh, culture is, is something that, uh, that we, we're all beginning to recognize is really important to have at a company. Uh, but what, is it, what does it really mean? You know, I think that 
when you think about how people treat each other, how people leverage all of our different experiences that uh, collectively and, and utilize that uh, in a healthy way to, to be able to accomplish something that neither none of us could do on our own. Um, I think that that's a part of that's a part of culture that uh, that we can use to create something bigger than all of us. I love that De Silva is Portuguese for forest. And throughout the book, trees, seeds, forest, yeah. a, a recurring metaphor, a recurring theme. I wish I probably have a lot to learn from trees. I think uh, you know, I grew up in BC, which is you know a place where you can see some majestic um, natural beauty. And to be silent amongst trees, you know, to be connect, to feel connected to nature, something that when you're in the city, you know, working at a tech startup, you, 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 you um, it's easy to lose touch with these grand cathedrals of, of, of forest groves that, uh, you know, if you, if you travel, you know, into the mountains or into, you know, the west coast of Vancouver Island, which I often refer to in the book, you know, these are, these are ancient beings that have lasted centuries, and I think that I think we feel we feel good when we when we feel more connected to to forests and and to and to those to these natural ecosystems. You know, the concrete jungle uh, is uh, is an exciting place for you know for a human being, but but a true meditation of walking through uh, through a forest and enjoying nature and uh, soaking up that natural beauty. Uh, something that I think is good for the soul. It was something that you learned very early on at what seventeen. Yeah, I think that it, I think that that as a teenager, um, witnessing some of the clear cutting that was happening in in British Columbia, it I think made me aware. Just as many young people are being made aware of the destruction that uh, that we cause on the planet, and it makes you want to do something. It makes you want to go protest. It makes you want to expand what we care about. You know, expand our our level of compassion for for living things. You know, I think that we have this short amount, short amount of time to save some of the natural wonder that we have. I think that that's something that as you build a business, as you build a project, as you, as you, as you build your life, you think we need to incorporate that more conservation, sustainability. These things have to be built into, into the way that we uh, live and the way that we work. And focus on things that are bigger than ourselves. Focus on things that are bigger than ourselves. And I think that when you, when you see a thousand year old tree or you see a mountain or you see some of the, or you see the, the vastness of the ocean, as impressive as we think we are as humans, these things can make us, can remind us of our small place and something that's, that, uh, that, that, that's vast, but also something that we have an impact on. So you, you write that like a tree, we all began as a seed. When you come into the world, and I write about life's journey in, in the book, your, your whole form is, is contained in that seed, you know, like, like an intention. You know, uh, for example, this center, I planted a seed. There was a little manifesto I wrote. Kind of everything that's unfolded with, with uh, this center, in, I would say any, everything that's unfolded with Lightspeed as well, started as this little seed. Uh, and then you watch that develop into into things, but they all contain that original intention of of what went into it, um, what that purpose was, and uh, and watching that unfold is actually it's a joy unto itself. So never apart yeah. has a double meaning. Yeah, never apart. Uh, it, it, it's the name of this cultural center, and the idea behind the cultural center was let's use art and music to bring together different kinds of people exhibiting in the same space celebrating uh, creativity in the same space and bridge division you know bridge the natural you know tribalism that we have in our in our in our in our society 
uh, and, and start to enjoy each other and learn and learn from each other, not just through the exhibitions, but through discussions. And then, you know, and then when we break down some of those barriers, let, let's never be apart, you know. And I think that what's happened over time, over the four years of this center, is that uh, people from many different communities uh, have started to feel ownership of the center, you know, and that's the ultimate goal is for everybody to feel like it's it belongs to them and it belongs to all of us collectively. And I think that the other the other sort of meaning to it is, you know, the center was started by a number of people in the LGBTQ community. Uh, and as, as I just shared, the mission of Never Apart is, you know, there is a greater mission. It's not just an art gallery. There's a sort of a spiritual calling of trying to bring people together. Um, and for the LGBTQ community, who's often by many communities been, been told, you know, we're not a part of spirituality, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a vow to, for us to, n- to never be apart from that mission that we, I think, have as well. You're right that creating a better world doesn't happen overnight. There's a big lack of patience in, uh, in, in the world. It's a very inst- instantaneous society. Uh, and, you know, light speed was, did not happen overnight. You know, it's 14 years. We're going to go in 15 years. N- you know, never apart, you know, happened over, you know, we're going to be celebrating five years next year. These things... Uh, you know, they start as little seeds and they unfold uh, and you learn from them. And I couldn't have written Age of Union if it hadn't been for the 14 years of Lightspeed and the four years of Never Apart. I wasn't ready to write that book. I wasn't ready to start Never Apart until I'd, I'd done 10 years of, of Lightspeed. So things are not created overnight. And I think you have to have the patience with projects to let them reveal themselves. Uh, and that that does take time, and that that's not because the project takes time. I think it also takes time for you um, to be um, ready for 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 different for for different seasons, different elements to come to the fore, different uh, parts of uh, of your authentic self to start to materialize in 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 a project or in a in or in an, an initiative or for you to join something. There are seasons for everything, and I think things don't happen you know instantaneously as as much as we would like. Except if you're, a, let's say, a video on TikTok. Or a... <laughs> <laughs> so what season are you, Dax Da Silva, in right now? The season I would say that I'm in is one where I, I feel a lot of continuity between three projects that are quite different. You know, I have, I have Lightspeed. It's a tech company that just went public. Never a part of cultural center. Um, and, and this book, Age of Union. But if you look at the four pillars of Age of Union, they're all very connected. The four pillars of Age of Union are leadership, culture, spirituality, nature. Leadership we see a lot at Lightspeed. Culture we see a lot here. And spirituality and nature are things that are, are core to me and things that I want to, in this, next, in, in this stage and in this next stage, bring them all together and start to be able to talk about them holistically, because I think that we, as humans, love to put things into boxes. And um, I feel like the solutions to some of our problems are to are, are to unseparate these things and start to think of them holistically. So that's sort of the stage I find myself in is I feel like some of these things are uh, starting to become whole. In the chapter titled Igniting Your Project, you write that you learned that not taking external investment allows a project to bake in its own identity and DNA. How so? Yeah, not taking investment does allow you to build up your own DNA and your own identity. Uh, you know, we bootstrapped at Lightspeed for the first seven years. 
in the time since, we've been able to take on different investors. We've been able to do seven or eight acquisitions from companies all over the world because, and I think that we've been able to to, to be successful at that because we because of because we really know who we are. Uh, we know who we are, um, ha- have a strong identity, and understand that uh, that you know when you have external forces like investors or bring in other cultures, other company cultures into your own culture, that that all is additive and that that is all, um, uh, that all can uplift and elevate uh, the, the quality of your project. Uh, when you bootstrap, uh, you have more time to, to really know what you stand for, to really build a set of values uh, and build a, a way of operating uh, that is uniquely your own. So at what point does external investment become necessary? External investment becomes necessary uh, when you when you found that product market fit, uh, when you've proved your revenue model and you want to you know, really build the network that's going to help this project go to the next level and, uh, uh, and be significant. So why did you choose CIBC Innovation Banking? So CIBC Innovation Banking was um, you know, a great partner for, for being able to do the kinds of things that we want to do uh, when it comes to M and A, you know, an acquisition, it's 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 one of one of our strategies, you know, an organic growth strategy and, and an M and A strategy, and um, CIBC has been a great partner in allowing us to execute on that vision. Our partnership with them is about building, you know, value through executing on some of these M and A projects, and that's exciting. That's uh, that's that's kind of where we where we see us creating value over the next couple of years, and I think that that's. That's something that we, we, we really uh, share a belief in. So if there was one thing from your book that you wanted to pass on to an entrepreneurial startup leader, yeah, what would it be? The one thing I would pass on to any entrepreneurial leader is to, I think, to in order to scale what you're doing, it is to share ownership with, with others, build that team. But I would take it one step further. Sharing ownership with others, yes, that's one, one way to start to be able to scale, but invest in yourself spiritually. And share ownership that way, you know. If you put everything on your own shoulders and you take on the entire burden, that might feel great when you when you when you have a big success. But when you're uh, when you're experiencing the failures that happen every day, that's going to be really hard to do if you haven't invested in yourself as an instrument. And I think that uh, sharing ownership with others is important, but also having that foundation, that spiritual foundation. Uh, no matter how you come to it, uh, everybody will have their own journey. That I think. Those two things are ways that uh, you can build something without having all of all of the pressure, all of the burden on on, on you. And I think it it will it brings uh, more joy and and more uh, more purpose to what you're building. So diversity's always been such a core part of our ethos at Lightspeed. You know, the original team was all from the LGBTQ community, and as we brought more people into the into the fold, as we expanded our team. Uh, we made sure that uh, that every single person had a fair shot of doing, you know, the best work of their lives, and that uh, that we always valued every kind of person that, uh, that that joined the team. And so, it's been a part of our a, a part of our success, and it's definitely a part of our DNA. Learn more about the innovation economy, how to build a minimal viable product, why letting go of two thirds of your clients can pivot your startup for greater success and how to build a global footprint by leveraging a foot in the door. Subscribe to the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast with Michael Hainsworth at cibc.com slash innovation banking.